Okay, nice to see you, everybody. Um, I hope you're keeping well, having a great time. Looks like we're going to be enjoying a wonderful Sunday with the weather. And it's good to see everybody online. Although I can't see, you can see us. Thank you for joining us. It's great to see you all in church this morning. Well, we're continuing our series with the journey to the cross and a bit more. So we're looking at what happened to Jesus after the cross. And as you know, if you've been following us, we looked at his resurrection. We looked at he spent 40 days with his disciples and uh, speaking to them about uh, the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but as I look at the New Testament and the life of Jesus, um, if you can't fix it, don't worry, I'll work around it. I don't know about you, if you look, if you look at Jesus' uh, life in the New Testament, and especially the life of the early church, got it, um, it's a bit like a box series set, isn't it? Where, um, you know, you're looking at Netflix, or you're choosing something off Amazon Prime, and you're looking at the series, and this is what Jesus' life and the New Testament church looks like, especially Jesus and the book of Acts. So, for example, series one, Jesus' life and all its drama with the miracles, the revolution is on its way. He says, change your mind. The kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, God is going to bring a new rule, a new kingdom to earth. There's all the opposition of the scribes and the Pharisees, the political rulers. There's plots and threats against Jesus' life, trying to sabotage this coming kingdom. There's the false trial. There's the torture of Jesus. There's the, basically the assassination of Jesus through the work of the cross, his death and burial, end of season one. It's all over. It's all come to nothing. I mean, if that was a box series, series one, with all of the hope and the intrigue of a new government, an overthrow, oppression being cast away, and a great new liberating government coming in, you'd think, what type of ending is that? The Twitter sphere would be going crazy. But no, there's a second series, The Empty Tomb. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that the main player had actually been assassinated and now he's going to come alive again? And then he appears to his disciples and 500 others. The revolution isn't over. It's gone up to another level. He talked about the kingdom of God coming to his disciples. He said the disciples were going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He said, wait for the gift that my father had promised. For you have heard me speak about John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples to wait before they actually went for it until the Holy Spirit had come. And once the Holy Spirit had come, Go for it, boys, and let this revolution happen. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he says, you will be clothed with power. And it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he'd said all this, this is just getting so exciting, and you think, my goodness, season one, I thought it was all over. Season two, we actually get a surprise, another chance, and crack at this. And then, after he's told the, that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and everything is going to happen, and there's going to be a revolution in every nation, every tribe, to the ends of the world, it says, Jesus 
after saying all this, was taken up before their very eyes in a cloud, and he went to heaven. The leader is gone. End of season two. Oh, what a terrible ending, you might say. I was expecting more action. But no, there's a third series, and it's coming soon. And after Jesus went back to heaven, his followers were waiting in a house in an upper room. And the power that Jesus talked about came to them. The Holy Spirit. Not a political power. Not a military power. But an unseen and unstoppable world-changing power. It was a power from heaven. It was a power that Jesus sent. It was the power that Jesus operated in when he was on earth in his body. It was the force that powered his life, caused the miracles to happen, and raised him from the dead. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, who operated in that power, was now giving that power to his followers. There's 120 of them. It says in in Acts, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound of a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon every one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. You see, here's the thing. During Jesus' early life on earth, his first life, that was him just getting the party starting. It says in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, he says, Dear Thelopolis, which basically means lover of God, dear lover of God, in my first book, which was the book of Luke, I wrote to you about the works that Jesus began to do. Began. But when he went to heaven and gave the Holy Spirit to his followers, he continued to do the work from heaven through his followers. He was just beginning on earth, and his life in heaven signaled the continuation of his work through his body that we call the church. So here's it is. We need that same power. You need that same power. I need that same power to live for Jesus, to serve Jesus. It's an ability beyond human effort. Look, when you're seeking to live for Jesus and do all the things that he wants you to do, you may know what you should do. You may know what the Bible teaches you should do. You may know what he's called you to do. You may have all the knowledge in your head, everything. You may have learned it from Sunday school to the grave, but it's not going to get you very far on its own. It's like a law. Just knowing what to do, in theory, is like a law, but that law doesn't give you any help to actually do it. When I was driving from my home to this meeting this morning, I, 
I came through a stretch of road which was 30 miles an hour. The law, the sign telling me that I should drive only 30 miles an hour just informs me what I should be doing, but it doesn't give me any help. That sign doesn't bring to me any power to keep my foot off the gas. Not at all. The law will not give you power to do what you should do. But the Holy Spirit will. The Holy Spirit is the power of God that not just leads you into what you should do, helps you do what you know you should do, but through you enables you to live the life that you know God has called you to do. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do what you can't do. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do what you can't do. Is there something you can't do that you know you should do? You can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul says. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desire what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do what you want. You want to do something? You know you should do something? You don't have the power to do it. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, informed from the scriptures telling us what we should do, combined we become a people of power and victory. If you keep trying to live for Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit, you will fail, I will fail, you will keep failing and I will keep failing. But thank God, the Father has sent us the Holy Spirit the same Holy Spirit that rested on Jesus and worked through him for you to do what he did, live the way that he lived, and perform the miracles and the life that he lived and is calling us to live. So, firstly, you need the Holy Spirit to live for him. Secondly, we need the Holy Spirit to serve him. He has sent us in the power of the Holy Spirit to tell people about Jesus and do what he did. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, set people free. That's what a disciple does. When he trained his disciples, 12, 72, he trained them and sent them to preach the gospel, heal the sick, set people free in the power of the Holy Spirit. Words and power together. That's what a disciple, that's what a follower of Jesus does. And when the, when the Holy Spirit came upon that early church, they went out telling people everywhere, not just the apostles, the whole gang, went out telling people everywhere about Jesus and healing the sick. And it was this word and this message and this power that transformed the known world. It is the Holy Spirit that opens the hearts when we speak. It is the Holy Spirit who gives repentance to the heart when people receive the message of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin and wrongdoing. It's the Holy Spirit who puts faith in our hearts 
when we believe in Christ and open our heart, when we, when we open our hearts to Christ after the message, there's a gift of faith that comes to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he does this mysteriously, powerfully, supernaturally through us when we are filled and declare in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are his vessel, you are his instrument, you are his channel, and the more of the Holy Spirit you have and the more Holy Spirit I have, the more God uses us in this powerful way to speak and to heal. Now, 20 years ago, a very good friend of mine, some of you in this room will be here and remember this, uh, Sam Larby came to Cornerstone Church. I was in Bible college with him. He was a dear friend. He was one of my mentors in fasting, prayer, and the supernatural ministry of Jesus. He was a 40-year-old, I was in my early 20s, about, I don't know, 23 or something. He was in his 40s. He was a former major in the Guardian Army, uh, a great man of God, gave up the military career, came to England, signed up for Bible college to become an ordained minister. And uh, we ended up being great friends, and he mentored me in the years I was in Bible college, in prayer, fasting, and in the miraculous of the Holy Spirit. And about 20 years ago, I invited him to Cornerstone Church to teach on healing and pray for the sick that we may be empowered through the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus did. And I remember he came for a couple of evenings and some of you will remember it and I remember Amanda getting healed and coming out of her wheelchair and <laughs> jumping over Chloe as she was coloring on the ground. Healings after healings after healings. I remember my wife Sarah being healed who had a neurological disability and she had the mobility of an 80-year-old plus woman and she was in pain every single day for eight years. Eight years and it was affecting all of our lives and it was intolerably difficult for Sarah. And I remember Sam praying for her in the meeting. And in that meeting, after eight years of absolute agony and a severe neurological disability from an accident, she got healed in the moment. And it was amazing. And I remember on another occasion he returned and Sarah had been suffering for years and years with an absolute terrible food intolerance where she was basically eating hardly anything. And she went to the meeting where Sam was, shivering, because once again she'd eaten something and she'd probably been like this for a number of days and her stomach was in absolute agony and shivering in the seat and shaking like this with the effect of being poisoned, basically. And Sam said, there's somebody here who's got a, a problem with their stomach and God is going to heal them. And, and she stood up. And as she stood up, she felt almost like a pressing in her stomach going layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. And she got healed. And one thing she couldn't eat is milk. And if she'd eat milk, my goodness, she would be shaking and in pain like poison for days and days and days. And she went home, and her favorite, one of her favorite foods is shreddies and cold milk. And she went home that evening. And we were in the kitchen, we watched, and she poured out the shreddies. She poured out the milk, sprinkled the sugar on, ate it, no effects at all. She can eat anything now. I remember that. And then Sam laid hands on every single member of our church in one Tuesday night as we were gathering together, that they would receive the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus, that was upon him, that would come upon us. 
And, and individual members of the church went out from there and began to pray with shopkeepers, <laughs> neighbors, and friends, and they would come up and tell their stories of how people had been healed. Because what Jesus did then, he does today. And we need and can have the power of the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus did. I remember a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, he's gone to be with Jesus now. Uh, he was a great prophet, and he came to our church and he prophesied again around about 20 years ago that a day would come when a gentle reviving wind of the Holy Spirit would blow across Wales with healing and evangelism. And we began to see healings after that. And here we are today, some 20 years later, and Chloe is doing a PhD on the miracle, no, the healing miracles that have taken place in Wales. And she's only done a snapshot a tiny portion, and she's already collected 600. And that's just a tiny portion of them. And I've been on Zooms over the last couple of weeks teaching on healings and miracles, and we've had stories coming in of people who've got eye conditions and can't see properly being healed. People, I was speaking to one lady this week who was giving her story when we were on Zoom just a few weeks ago. We prayed for her, and she had a terrible lactose intolerance where she would eat have something, even a tiny bit of lactose, it would cause her brain to swell. She'd be in pain for at least four days. She'd had, she would not be able to go anywhere to friends or out unless she took her own food. She couldn't eat supermarket meat because sometimes they put lactose coating on the meat and she can't eat it, and that would send her really, really ill. It's affected her for years and years and years. There wasn't, the doctor said, nothing they can do for her She's also gluten intolerant as well, affecting the whole of her life. So we prayed for her on Zoom. In fact, Sarah prayed for her because she had the same condition, so she prayed for her. That night, she went home, poured a tiny bit of milk, she told me, on the interview, a tiny little bit of milk, which normally would cause her brain to swell and send her in agony for at least four days into a cup. She didn't tell her husband. <laughs> Tiny little bit, she drank it. After 40 minutes, she was absolutely fine. By now, she would have been in agony. She was fine apart from a tiny headache, very, I mean, marginal, but nothing. But the following day, she was totally fine. But after that, she'd been eating, her words, not mine, bounties, chocolate bars, homemade trifles. She can eat anything. And then I spoke to her this week, and this happened a few weeks ago, and she's just been going for it, and she is totally, completely healed. So healed that her daughter has been telling everybody, her husband has asked to be healed for some conditions that he's got because he is amazed at what's happening. And she also received prayer for a thyroid problem because she can't sing and it's got a thyroid gland problem. She went to the doctors, had the scan, and without any medical intervention, that thyroid problem has been totally, completely gone, and the doctors don't know why. And she said, I know why. A gentle, healing wind. But as I heard this story from this particular lady this week, I had a strong sense in my mind and my heart, which I believe was from the Lord, that we are going to see, and God is going to send, another move of healing that is not 
gentle, so to speak, but it's powerful. And we are going to see extraordinary, astonishing miracles taking place. I've uh, prayed for a, a man last week who is in absolute agony with his knee. And the reason why is because his knee is so bust up, he actually doesn't have a cartilage. So he is in excruciating pain, can't sleep at night, and he is taking painkillers all the time. Prayed for him last week. Spoke to him Thursday night on Zoom. And he said this. The pain now has reduced to, well, it's marginal. I mean, it says it's so low, I have actually signed up and paid for a private consultation to visit a, cons a, 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 a consultant to have an x-ray or scan or whatever you have to check out what's going on because he doesn't have any significant pain anymore. And if he would wait with the cues that there are with NHS at the moment, it would be ages for him to find out what's going on. So he's going to go to the doctors and uh, check out his words, not mine. Maybe the cartilage is growing up. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. A man without a cartilage in absolute agony is saying that the pain has so reduced that he's even pain to go and get it checked out to see if something miraculous has happened. So I believe we are going to see another move of the Holy Spirit in power of miracles that are extraordinary, that will cause many people to find faith in Jesus. And for this to happen, and let me just say, it's not going to happen with just people who are ministers or leaders. It's the congregation, just like in the New Testament church, that will be doing it. The, the power is for everybody, men and women and boys and girls. For everybody, it's for everybody. And for this to happen, we need to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. And don't stop until we've received him. In the great revival, when the Holy Spirit turned up just five minutes down the road, driveway here in Lucca, 100,000 people came to Christ through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit turning up in three months. And this is the prayer they prayed. Send the Holy Spirit, Lord. And then they prayed again, send the Holy Spirit more powerfully, Lord. And they prayed again, send the Holy Spirit more powerfully, Lord, for Jesus Christ. Sake, amen. And they prayed that prayer and waited and called upon God until he came, and he did. So I want to encourage you and us together to keep praying and keep asking until we receive a greater measure of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what did these early disciples do? How did they approach this promise of Jesus when they were in that upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. In closing, two very quick things. One, let's note, it says they were all there together. They were there. So they were there individually. Every single one of those 120 chose to be there. They chose to take the promise seriously. They hadn't, the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet, but they weren't saying, well, let's wait until it happens before I jump in. No, they were going to be the ones who were going to create the riverbed for the Holy Spirit to come and flow through. They made a decision. We are going to seek the presence of the Holy Spirit till he comes. We're going to do it. There is no substitute for your personal choice to pursue God. I can't do it for you. 
A friend can't do it for you. Your church can't do it for you. We can't do it for you. Nobody can substitute your personal time with God where you pray, seek, ask, plead, wait for more of his spirit. Reading the scriptures, worshiping, calling upon him, saying, fill me with your Holy Spirit until you are filled with the Holy Spirit and then you continually call upon him to be filled with him. I can't do that for you. You must do that. I must do that. It's my choice, my responsibility. But secondly, it says they were there together in one accord. There's no substitute for your personal pursuit of God. So I want to encourage you, personally pursue God. But that's not enough. We're called also to pursue God together. When they received the Holy Spirit, it says they were together in one accord. They chose individually to pursue him, but they were also together. We are called to serve him and proclaim him together, as well as individually. We're called to receive the Holy Spirit together, as well as personally. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. As the church, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When Peter preached that first sermon after receiving the Holy Spirit, it says that 3,000 people believed and were added to the church that day. Do you see the first thing that Jesus said? When we believe in Christ and turn to him individually, he forgives us, he changes us. The Bible word is saved us individually. Firstly, individually. And immediately after that, God then takes you and adds you to the group. We receive Christ individually, but we work it out together. That's the way it is. So they were received Christ and they were added. And they served Jesus where they were, together. They served Jesus individually where they were. They met together, prayed together, learned together, worshipped together, prayed together. They ate together. They were filled with the Holy Spirit together. They went out and changed the world together. So what can we learn from this passage of Scripture this morning? As we're coming into a new season, as lockdown restrictions are going to be lifted, whether they're faltered, lifted, or straightforward lifted, they are going to be lifted as the vaccine gets rolled out, at some point it's going to happen. In the light of that, we're going to be moving from the upper room into the real world again. What do we do? Let us rise up as a Holy Spirit people. Let us rise up as a Holy Spirit people. I feel like I'm preaching a Winston Churchill. (laughs) Let us rise up as a Holy Spirit people that will change the communities that we engage with, whether they're our families, people down the street, our friends. Change our city, change our region, change our nation. And like the early church, even change the world. The people of God continued this revolution in Acts chapter 1. They were actually put in places of power 
I'm not talking about military power or, mili or political power. They were put in the place of spiritual power, seated at the right hand of God, uh, next to Jesus, who's seated at the right hand of God. We are people in power of the Holy Spirit that has the ability to change the world like no law can do it. No party, political government can do it. I want to encourage you to rise up to be a people of the Holy Spirit, to be full of power, to live an overcoming Jesus life, to tell people in the power of the Holy Spirit and heal people in the power of the Holy Spirit and be carriers of his presence, personally where you are and together. Let's not forsake the pursuit of the Holy Spirit in our home life, in our individual life, as God's people, as the house of God, as the body of Christ. Let me just make this one comment and we're going to pray. There is no recorded record of Jesus preaching any sermon or performing any miracle until he came out of the waters of baptism and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then he says he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted and then he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit where he preached and performed miracles. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Christ. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hey, everybody, guess what? Who's the body of Christ now on earth? And whom is the Spirit of the Lord on, on earth? The church. So pursue the power and the presence of God together and individually. So I'm going to pray. And it says in that upper room, they were all sitting. So I'm not going to ask you to stand. <laughs> we're all going to sit. And I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with power again. And wait in his presence a few moments. And I will pray for him to come upon you and to fill you. That you may live for him. That you may serve him. That you may speak for him and do his works. Let's close our eyes. And please join in at home as well. We've seen people healed over Zoom and online, filled with the Holy Spirit over Zoom and online. No barriers to God. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you now. Say, come Holy Spirit. Do ask him. This is the way I do it. I say, come Holy Spirit. Come and fill me and rest upon me. Bring me your presence and power. And then I wait, allowing my heart to focus upon the Spirit of God coming to me. And I wait and receive. And then I ask him again for more. And I wait and receive. And then I ask him again for more. And I do that as long as time allows. Come Holy Spirit now. And as I'm praying for you, just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come now into this room and to everybody who is listening and watching online. 
and to everyone who is asking and is thirsty for you. Holy Spirit, I ask now in Jesus' name that you'll come to them and fill them. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill. Rest upon them. Give them power. In Jesus Christ's name, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. More, Lord. More power. Power to live for you. Transforming power. Renewing the mind. Holy Spirit, be filled in the name of Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Be filled in the name of Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with his power. Receive his power in Jesus' name. Receive his filling in Jesus' name. Receive the anointing to heal the sick. The anointing to tell people about Jesus that opens the heart, convicts, changes, brings faith in the heart. Receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Receive the anointing to recognize the tender voice of God and his leading. Just wait a few moments. Come Holy Spirit again with your power. I'm going to pray for a few healings. If you've got a food intolerance, just put your hand over your tummy. You've got a bad knee, put it over your knee. If you've got a problem with your shoulder, trap nerve in your shoulder, put your hand over your trap nerve in the shoulder where it is. I'm going to release Holy Spirit, release your power now to heal all these conditions. Just pray this prayer. Lord, heal my food allergy, feel, heal my knee and my trap nerve. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command every food allergy to go. Food intolerance, leave. And I command healing, receive your healing of your food intolerance now in Jesus' name. Painful knee, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to be healed, the swelling to go, the ligament to be healed, and every damage to be renewed. Receive your healing now in your knee. In the name of Jesus, right now, receive it. And that trapped nerve, I loose it in Jesus' name, and I command the shoulder to be healed in Jesus' name. And the movement to return in the knee, the shoulder, without pain. Be healed, trapped nerve. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. I'd like you to try it. See if there's an increased movement without pain. And if it is, let us know, because we'd love to hear your story. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Take care.